You're listening to the Gender Reveal Party Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Pryor. This isn't your usual gender reveal party. There will be no baby sex parts. This is the real reveal, where we reveal gender through stories of brave humans willing to share their lived experience. Enjoy the listening. I sure enjoy making it. Welcome to the Gender Reveal Party. I'm excited to tell you today that my guest is Aaron Brown, and Aaron Brown is a good friend of mine and a local activist and educator and all kinds of things. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Welcome, Aaron. It's nice to see you. <laughs> so Hi. good to see you. <laughs> it is good to see you. I haven't seen, I mean, like, we haven't gotten to hang out in a long time. Part of that's because of the pandemic. And then we've just been, you've been so busy. We've been so busy, right? Yeah, it's awkward to be isolated and busy and it also feels like I'm only allowed to see people if it's a money-making activity like <laughs> oh yeah you know that makes the messages sense. Yeah. survive capitalism but don't do <laughs> leisure right and yeah. I understand that from like a public health perspective but it's just it's you know it's been a time <laughs> yeah it's definitely been a time it's definitely been a time well I'm really grateful and excited that you're here um, you and I've had many, many conversations over the years. So Aaron is an author. Do you want to just kind of give your little bio spiel about all the stuff that you do? Sure. Yeah, I'm an author. I've written eight books on um, emotional responsibilities. I'm on gender liberation, um, body politics, stuff like that. It's been, you know, kind of a journey. I started as a personal trainer and then I realized I was only talking about body politics and then it was really you know, furthermore about rape culture and <laughs> just keep kind of evolving. And the people who have been following along with that and purchasing my work have kind of grown and evolved with me. Um, yeah, I've written four books in the last three years. I mean, that just keeps happening. I keep saying I'm probably just going to write books, even if only three people read them until I die and then do whatever else I'm doing. <laughs> Well, and all your books are great and they're making a big difference for people. So why not keep doing Thank that? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And they always come from like a constant um, exploration and expansion of self mm -hmm. and then sort of helping other people um, do that themselves by being honest about my own, you know, yeah. understanding and unraveling and undoing and whatever, whatever right? works. Yeah. Yeah. It's something you and I have in common is like really leading from that place of I'm doing this work transforming myself and then you know what I learn I share <laughs> you know it's yes. kind of like we do it as we go right yes exactly yeah. and I appreciate that <laughs> and so I know you've seen the show because I remember you being there so thanks for mm -hmm. coming to the show mm -hmm. um and you know one I mean I want you on here for all the reasons um but mm -hmm. one of the things that you and I often talk about is that world of and well first of all let me say this you're one of the few people in my, like all of my friends and my acquaintances and all of my existence, <laughs> you're one of the very few people who has ever been able to relate to me as woman with, yeah. and, and still know that I have the beard. And it was even before testosterone, right? You could get that I was a non-binary human. And mm -hmm. I recently had this experience where a, a friend of mine who I've known for over 20 years, <laughs> but she always knew me on testosterone. She didn't know me pre-testosterone. And so when she watched the show, you know, at the end of the show, I say, if you make me pick a box, I'll pick the pink box, right? Because I'm grateful for my classic training as female and never mm -hmm. wanted to be a dude, never wanted to be a man. So for the first time in her life, this woman was like, wow, you're a woman. Like you're like, I've always related to you as a man. 
And I'm like, I know, and that's so frustrating for me <laughs> because, because the, the thing that I miss the most about being a woman is that connection with other women. So mm -hmm. you have always, from the very first time you finally, you figured out I wasn't a dude, which in the beginning was like, who's this dude? Right. <laughs> I wasn't like, interested. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing courses for women. You're like, who's this guy that thinks he could do courses for women, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, there's once, a lot of that. <laughs> Yes, there, there is a lot of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm the only one that's actually been a woman that right. does. Right. But yeah. once you figured out that I was non-binary or once you, once we had that conversation, you have always been someone who I felt like actually saw me. And so first mm -hmm. of all, I just appreciate that so much. Um, and then we've always had great conversations about what it is to be a woman in the world. And a, a lot of the things, and I, every time I'm with you, I learn something new. But I was just telling somebody the other day that, um, in fact, it was on one of these interviews, I brought up your name, because I was talking about that world of being a woman and how much gender, like we do gender as, a, and I'm convinced now that everything we do as human beings, we do to keep us safe, right? Like mm -hmm. everything, everything we do to wire ourselves up is all about safety. I'm 100% clear about that. And being a woman, part of that wiring is in terms of safety and something you talk about is about being picked, right? And or mm -hmm. avoiding not being picked or whatever the thing is that we're wired to do. And so part of the reason I wanted to have you on is to talk a little bit about that whole conversation of classically trained female, why we do gender, why women do gender and you know how that goes. So I'm gonna shut up because I just want you to talk. Yeah, about that. Yeah, um, all so, talk about all the things. <laughs> yeah, the first time I thought about my training around marriage, I'm divorced. Um, and I'm just going to say before I even say anything, I never speak about my marriage or my former spouse, but I will speak about my experience within it that doesn't point to him. I just don't want to be, um, you know, unfair or disrespectful. Um, to the father of my kid and somebody I very much respect. However, I had a friend ask me while we were still married, um, if I had always known that I wanted to get married. She was in a long-term relationship and it was kind of at the point where he kind of wanted to, you know, take a next step or whatever. And she kind of didn't even know how she ended up in this relationship that long. And it's not something she imagined for herself. And when she asked me that question, I was like, I don't recall ever considering if wanting to get married was something that was mine. Say more about that, that in terms of the wanting to get married. Yeah, I just, th that was never, I never thought, will I get married? Like, do I, do I want to get married? Is that something that I desire for myself? What I thought so much about is, would anybody even marry me? Will I get picked or will I just like fail at this thing? And, you know, I want to say that like, I was, I've been, you know, claiming that I'm an activist and doing all of this shit since I was like, you know, 14 or something. I started talking publicly about rape culture when I was 13 years old. Um, so in college, I'm doing all of this like slam poetry about the beauty myth and like, you know, I'm trying to burn it down. I'm like that feminist. And still there's so many things that are so ingrained in us that when it comes to like, you know, walking the walk, there's things we just constantly miss. And I never thought, what do I want for my life? I thought because of all of these standards that are messed up, I'm not going to be able to attain these things I'm supposed to. Man, 
isn't that something? I mean, just like you said, you know, I've been the same thing. I've been an activist for since I cut my teeth at, on being a queer when I was 18, mm -hmm. basically. And really, when I got into college in my 20s, that was like from that point on. But I can fall prey to so much of that classic training and even homophobia, transphobia, all the same things that I'm mm -hmm. active, you know, actively speaking about. It's so the water we swim in that it's always there. It's always yeah. there. And when it comes to classically trained gender roles, you know, I, having lived as a woman and as a man, I feel like I have an insight into both of them. Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating to me, and, you know, I want to have this huge conversation about the non-binary because straight people swimming in the binary don't even see they're swimming in it. <laughs> they don't even know right. they're in there. Right? They don't even know right. that there's like this. And it's almost like, these paths have been laid out for them and then they, they just swim in their lanes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, how do we ever break out of that? I think we're starting to, I think the Gen Z generation is like a huge leap towards that. Um, but it's part of this kind of work that I feel like in your work in particular um, that has, has paved the way for those Gen Z kids to be doing that. Yeah. They're so cool. They I have cool. this book that I um, <laughs> came across because of the Lula Rich documentary. And I posted something about it online. It's called The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands. Oh, how funny. Dr. Laura By Dr. Laura, whatever, yeah. Oh um, <laughs> I got so many messages from women who follow me that are around my age, I'm 39, so like early 30s, 40s, um, who had received this book when they got engaged or at some point when their marriage was troubled. And I have, you know, a, a sizable following. And so initially I might think, well, this is like maybe some more religious people that follow me. This is just anecdotal. These are people I know. Oh. People, <laughs> would have oh, never, yeah. you know, so apparently this book is everywhere. I got it because that was jarring to me. And so much in here, when I talk about it online, people respond by like, you know, aghast that this is a thing, that it was a bestseller, that it is not that old, that it's still in circulation. But the ideas in it that are very binary and very gendered, um, even if people don't say them overtly, is the way most people I know operate within their relationships. Um, and even more so depending on how heteronormative the rest of their relationship is. Right. So one of the things that happened to me when I trained, when I took testosterone is I was handed heterosexual privilege. I was handed white male privilege, but that, but Jessica and I as a couple started to be viewed in the world as a straight couple. Um, mm -hmm. And that part for me was, it, it was literally mind blowing. Like <laughs> I remember being in restaurants at the beginning when I first started to get facial hair and like people were, I was hundred percent passing and people were not whispering about whether I was a boy or girl or a man or a woman. Like that for me was huge. And then the service that we got. And the, I mean, it was just like, it was, it was so fascinating to me and it's, it, I guess it never occurred to me because it was just not my life before that, that the whole yeah. world is set up like that. right? And so that's this water that they swim in. And I know that you are right now working on a coaching certificate, right? Around mm -hmm. sex and intimacy. Is that accurate? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a sex and intimacy counseling program. And I want to um, utilize that to work with couples. I think there's just a lot of work to be done and, and understanding that it is healthy and normal to regularly examine and reestablish boundaries 
based yeah. upon new feelings, circumstances, et cetera. So that's the kind of work I want to do. Nice. Um, but the online component of that, because I'm always thinking about what am I going to be stomping around about is heteronormative relationship dynamics. And so much of this book, even just the title is set up in such a way that it's like men are, you know, dumb and can't figure out how to do basic things. And if you just take care of them in specific ways and let them be king, everything will be fine. This book suggests that you sleep with your husband as much as he wants to, that caring for children is not enough to repay him. Um, just that maybe you're not, you're not actually all that sparkly and interesting. So you should be grateful that he's there at all. I mean, wow. And when this book came out, it's like, from 2004 she was on good morning america she was on all the things right so <laughs> this isn't this isn't old and it also isn't like some random you know small group of religious people that have this idea this is this is the water we swim in 100 percent. and you know for me my experience is i can, you know and i talk about this in the show i come out over and over and over and over and over and over again <laughs> and mm-hmm. yet women still are so trained that when they see me, they see male. And so then therefore there's a way of behaving around me. There's also assumptions about what I can and cannot do. Like when we, and it was worse when we got kids because all of a sudden the assumptions were that I didn't know how to take care of those kids. I had that, you know, they don't hear my classically trained female. So with we're out, you know, people are always like, who's with the kids? Like what, you know, like, when Jessica's out there, like, who's with the this? kids? Who's with the kids? And like, she's like, Jay's with the kids. <laughs> like, yeah. Jay knows how to do those things. Like, I mean, this assumption that I've never changed a diaper. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Like all these assumptions made about me because that's how we treat men. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's such a bizarre experience to, I was just like, what's wrong with people? <laughs> do you remember when this happened to us? Oh God. Yeah, that's right. We were together when that happened, right? We were at the swimming pool and oh. one of your kids was doing something that some intolerable woman. That's right. Didn't and she like. came up to you. <laughs> yeah. And she just like, couldn't stop telling me about like what my kid, what my kid was. That was also something kind of benign. So it was obnoxious anyway. And I was just like, she's really just gonna, okay. And I just let her keep <laughs> going. And then I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not my kid. And then she just had no idea what to do with herself. It was really <laughs> It was, it was, but people make that assumption all the time that if there is a, there's a woman around, she's in charge of that kid. It can't yeah. possibly be a guy because he's too much of an idiot to manage that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And she's in trouble for sure. Cause that's oh. the other thing. There's all these expectations of what women are supposed to do, but they're all like fail. You can't, <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't you pass at them. <laughs> right. You're always going to be in trouble or right. yeah. <laughs> he's going to, and we get a lot of that. Like men get that, like you're going to be in trouble. Like, because mm. you're golly, you're just being a boy and so you're out there carousing around and, you know, but it's always in a real chuck, chuck on the shoulder kind of golly, you're going to be in trouble kind of mm-hmm. weirdness. <laughs> it's so bizarre. So I want to back up for a second because on the 2S LGBTQIA spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. You're the L, right? The LB yes. now, but that's mm-hmm. relatively new for you, right? You've been in a relationship it for is. three years, right? Uh-huh. And so you had a very interesting experience. You've had a couple that we talked about, interesting experiencing having your cisgender straight friends who you used to hang out with, like find, you know, acknowledge you then as a lesbian or in this lesbian relationship. And I mean, didn't she even have somebody ask you who, where, who was the man in the relationship or something stupid like that? 
Yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's really interesting because, you know, um, you know, I'm very forthcoming with my values and I don't invite people into my life who don't share those to some degree, um, yeah. to a lot Degree. A lot of um, degrees. Because, yeah, because like if I'm, you know, gonna have drinks with you and then someone else comes out, I don't want to be apologizing to you because I'm I'm sorry. Well, this is my friend that's kind of like a little bit transphobic and yeah, but like you know, it's just we're, we're, we're working on it. Like that's not for me. Yeah. Um and so I didn't have any friends I thought that were homophobic, but there is a difference. And I know this, it's just, it's weird. And I've had this experience a couple of different ways. And I know you have dramatically. It's weird when people see you one way and then it's you that's being treated differently because there's only the one variable, you know? Um, and it's, it's sometimes it's like little things like someone over the top being like, I just love your love is one of the ones I hate the most. I love your love. Nobody ever, I'm 39 years old. I've had a lot of relationships that people have looked up to whether or not that was genuine, but I love your love has never been said to me. And now it's just like constant. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? And also I wish that if you mean something lovely and specific that you would say that again, because what you're saying feels really objectifying to me. Mm. Um, lots of questions about sex and one person just be like oh so you're a lesbian now which is weird um Shannon and I my partner and I were just talking about this this morning because we were talking about queer baiting and how she felt about that and I was thinking about these young people these young celebrities that are being accused of queer baiting and then my own story and I'm like well if you're asking them about their sexual identity you're also assuming that they know that it's stagnant, that it's public, but also like specifically that they know that they're clear on that. Um, because so I say more about queer baiting so that our audience understands what you're talking about. Mm, queer baiting is a relatively new term to me anyway. It's a, a kind of all over the gay internet anyway, where um, people who are presumed to be heterosexual um, pose and like sexy poses with um, a person of the same gender or presumed same gender in a queer scenario um, and sexy in order to attract a, a queer audience, but they're not actually queer. And Got these it. are all a lot of assumptions because we don't know what that person's identity is or feelings or expression or where it might be a year from now, because that's the other thing that has really clicked together for me as an adult. And with my own experiences, it shit changes or your understanding right. changes. Right. So it's not, it's not pick and stick necessarily. Right. And it's not static. I mean, it's not like you, you're there and then, yeah. I have arrived. Yeah, I have arrived. <laughs> I do feel that way about being an L, but I think it's just um, it's just being both a baby and elder gay is a weird thing. Um, yeah, that's true. Because that you're a baby gay like, and you're not an elder gay, but yeah. But I'm also old. <laughs> well, sort of, not to me, but. <laughs> well, I mean, in scenarios where I'm with, like, it regularly occurs to me when younger queer people are talking to me, I'm like, oh, I'm your elder right now. Right. But I'm also baby. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Now you have also, even before the L, right, in my mm -hmm. world, in our relationship, you identified as a femme. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, and you and I had this conversation, right? I was like, hey, you can't identify as a femme. Those are queer mm -hmm. people, right? Right. You're like, well, I don't know about that. So um, I have moved on that, <laughs> right? Because it's like, I mean, you know, we got to move. Um, yeah. But now, because now my queer friends who identify they'll say like i'm a queer femme you know what i mean now they mm -hmm. they put the queer qualifier on there or before mm -hmm. if somebody said they were femme i just automatically assumed they were queer 
right? Because mm-hmm. that was just a queer identifier for me then. So um, do you still identify as femme? Yes, and I also moved on that. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of things. I mean, you do one, that. <laughs> right. Femme is a whole spectrum, right? Yes. So like someone could say that they're femme and that could mean that like they wear lacy panties or it could mean that they are over the top feminine or whatever. And I've always been like high femme. I also love um, the political identification of bimbo. <laughs> Right. Which is a whole other thing. But like, you know, I'm leopard print. I like my tits out and up. I like big hair. I like bright lips. And it is a a performance of gender that is both in alignment with binary, right? I'm being feminine, but it is also taken too far. And so that's the direction that I like to go with it. It feels, it feels subversive. And it also feels like me. Um, It's just that doing what feels most like me is very rebellious and offensive to people. So like, that's a different thing (laughs) to Mm -hmm. be like the kind of feminine that is received as slutty, that is received as too much, that is received as over the top. And it certainly isn't um, for men. Like this isn't what we're told that men would prefer. Uh, depending on the butchers on the other hand is another conversation (laughs) yes totally different conversation (laughs) totally different conversation right right so that's why I like the identity of femme before knowing more and more about the history I was like that makes sense to me because this is a performance it's a deliberate performance and it is meant to be subversive I'm not falling into what's expected of me I am like putting my foot on the gas and saying, fuck you, I'm going to take it and take all of it in the way that right. I like to. And that is a performance of gender that is not expected of me. It's too much. Right. And However, it was queer. And so right. I don't, I, I let go of that. And then when I threw my whole life up there and realized where I actually stood, I was like, oh, I get to be them also. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Awesome. I've always known you're a femme. I'm just waiting for you to come out about it. <laughs> that's what that's what all of my like day one people say, which feels say very that. affirming. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, I just had a, a an interview with another femme that will be coming out before you. And, you know, one of the things that she talked about is that world of being a high femme, but also being a uh, a black woman of size doing femme. Right. Which is, I mean, she's just like all up in your face. And we were talking about the audaciousness, you know, like being, being yeah. audacious. Right. And, and her, and she'd had other films, she's had other films come to her and be like, oh my God, like you're a goddess because your shoulders are showing, your arms are showing, you know, like she would be able to, able to show her body. Like she felt comfortable doing that. And what a statement it is and how sad it is to me that that's a statement. But I'm excited about this kind of a little bit of a turn again back to the gen z i I just feel like they're you know going the right direction in the interview she was like lizzo's probably my child (laughs) and i was like yes (laughs) because she paves the way she paved the way for lizzo right i mean like she without her doing what she was doing lizzo wasn't going to happen so um i feel like all those femmes have paved the way um and while you were working from a, from a place of being a straight person at the time, you were still paving the way right? because of that, uh, that audaciousness, right? That willingness to be out there. Um, and you, you've taken so much crap for that. I mean, you get crap from women, you get crap from men, you get trolls, you get, I mean, all the things from that. Do you, I mean, I, I ask this question a lot because I just find it so fascinating. Why do you think people are so threatened by us around gender why do you think they're so freaked out about gender in particular 
feel like in general, people spend so much time and effort and like actual blood, sweat and tears and anxiety on what they think the rules are for being them. That when someone doesn't follow those rules, it's completely intolerable to look at. Mm, And if I can like possibly risk sounding vain, which women are not supposed to do. (laughs) um, I also think that I'm, I'm sexy. I think that that's like a primary thing people notice about me and I'm, I'm attractive and I come in a size of body and in a presentation that's not supposed to be those things. And I think that is like both confusing to people and upsetting to people. Because it's yeah. like, you're not doing any of the things I try so hard to do. And I'm still responding to you in this way. And, and now I'm pretty upset. About it. <laughs> um, I am darn upset about that. <laughs> yeah, you just you didn't follow the rules. And it's been it's taken so much of my time in life to follow them. So how yeah. dare you? Yeah. And especially how dare you be comfortable and happy? Oh, right. For sure. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Because then that means all of my time and life and energy has been spent incorrectly. And so the easier thing to do is to make this a villain rather than look at, maybe I don't actually have to do all of these things. Maybe there's a version of me that either does or doesn't look like the person that is such an affront to me right now, but there's some version of me that would rather be here that is very upset to see that you just are walking around as you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I, I mean, I really appreciate that, you know, and this is another reason I always love talking to you because I, I like your insights. Um, I love the thought about the rule following because I find in life people are, they, I mean, they wire themselves up to either be rule followers or rule breakers. And the people that are rule followers, they can't hardly manage themselves around, you know, like it's the rules of the rules. And so you got to play by the rules. And I, so that makes a lot of sense to me. It actually gives me a new place to look for that because it's always fascinating to me the vitriol that I get the the people that get just so mad at me like so mad at me about the fact that I'm non-binary this I I mean my latest thing is I'm telling everybody I'm a unicorn because I'm a fucking unicorn you know I got no tits and a beard but I got my hips and my lady butts in charge I got soft lady legs and soft lady body now I mean I'm super lesbian out (laughs) I'm more like a lesbian than I've ever felt right I which love is it. awesome um yeah it feels fantastic i feel like i've created my perfect me and it's a unicorn mm-hmm. um and boy it pisses people off it really freaks people out so it's like why well, why is it so important to you that well and i think that non-binary and anything that exists you know with a with a spectrum <laughs> and not something just binary, something really simple is, is that right. And I know that like um, being transgender is not necessarily a binary thing either. And that people have so much nuance into what it means to them to be transgender, but from a very basic understanding that is not up to date or accurate, there would be men and women and then trans women and trans men. And then those still, so then we were saying trans men are men, trans women are women, and it still gives you a tidy binary, you know? And so then if I'm like making sense of that, and then I know you and you at one point used he, him pronouns, and I was trans men are men, Jay's man. That's the thing I was saying to myself. Then for you to go, actually, none of that, I'm something else that you don't have rules for, you don't have definitions for, you don't know where to place me on a hierarchy of who's in charge, who's the authority, how to relate to me. We're just throwing the rules out. 
that's very upsetting. And you're actually the one that taught me that because I couldn't for the life of me understand why gay marriage was something that straight people were opposed to. And you were like, well, it messes the rules up. Yeah. They, they have these the rules, rules for the hierarchy of marriage. And if you can do it without that, well, that's an affront. Right. And that's, I think, what is happening with gender. And it's also so lovely because the other thing I've noted since I met you, and I'm just talking about you, is you have always expressed a, a pain around not um, feeling like women understand the, the part of you that was raised female and understands them and that you lost that relationship to women mm-hmm. um, and also miss parts of yourself. And so it's just been so joyful to see you get to find just exactly the pieces that feel right. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that because it does feel like, oh, I'm all kind of settled in there. Um, yeah. And it feels really good. And I love the fact that, um, you know, my kid who came out as trans at 10, right, won't have to wait till they're when I was over 50 before I got that figured out. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. That's a long time <laughs> to get that figured, to wait to get that sorted. So um, I'm so blessed by that, by that world that, that we've created, that we've, you know, without us wouldn't be there um and uh excited that it's just becoming part of the hopefully the water that our next generation will swim in you know that they can do that um you know we've got like little Nas X out there scaring the crap out of everybody <laughs> speaking of queer baby I had to I got it I gotta do you love him <laughs> how do you feel about little Nas X I'm obsessed um I had a just, feeling you would be <laughs> yeah I feel like he is so acutely aware of what is scary about him and then he puts the foot on the gas which is my style yeah. and I <laughs> love that and it certainly you know I don't know what his experience is I hope that he's well resourced enough that it's not a scary one right, right. that Me he too. has the resources to keep himself safe. safe yeah Yeah, but assuming that's the case I mean for me that sort of attitude while puts me and has put me in some pretty scary situations I can't imagine living any other way and so I'm assuming if we're kindred in that way that he is having the best time and I hope that that's true I hope that's (laughs) true too I do too I adore him um yeah I just think he's uh well he's adorable for one thing and he's such a baby gay to me um he's Mm -hmm. so super cute but I just I just love his boldness and I love the unapologetic like he's unapologetic and not doing anything all the straight people haven't been doing for years you know it's like all, right. all of his video i mean you look at any of those straight videos I mean, it's like good god man like that's talk about blatant heterosexuality it's always been interesting to me my whole life people have said things to me like well i wouldn't mind the gays if they weren't just so blatant like why do you have to be all up in my face about it <laughs> like as if heterosexuality is not all up in my face all the time right? okay. it's just everywhere everywhere all the time and so i love that he's like this is i'm a gay boy this is how i do it right and then he's getting such a cool like there's so many cis and straight people it seems like artists who are like hopping on with them and doing songs with them and i mean it's just like this is brilliant yeah it's it's exciting very cool yeah it's so exciting i love that he came out initially and people didn't know that he was queer and also i think like they also didn't even black know that he was black yeah yeah so he just like he was like you know what i'm gonna do country charts i mean i just like the balls i'm just upset right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he's bold. He's very, very bold. And then and the fact strategic. that he got, you know, the Miley Cyrus is what the heck is this guy? Oh God, I can't believe I'm about to say that. Billy Ray Cyrus. Thank you. I'm like, I'm not going to blow his mm-hmm. name. <laughs> I'm so I was so impressed with the uh, Billy Ray Cyrus for helping him. You know, being like, oh no, we're not doing that. You know. Yeah coming in i just the whole thing has been brilliant to watch and i figured that you probably had an affinity for him since he was pretty bold like you yeah i just can't wait till he has new videos and then i just lay in bed and giggle like oh (laughs) big mad they're gonna be so big mad (laughs) (laughs) the prison jumpsuits i was just like okay yes right all right yeah pink prison that's good (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. and That's, into each other right yes. and into each other so um you have a million books which at the end and they can all find them at one place am i correct <laughs> all million um all million. i am aaron brown.com i am aaron brown.com that's easy mm-hmm. yeah um anything you'd like to share with our audience before we go um because we're using some of this uh, queer language and having this conversation, I just would love to lend, end on like a note of a question that I have that I don't think that there's an answer for yet. But I think that queer people have created so much culture and language around gender, around sexuality, around sexual interests too, which is different than identity. And um, there's just so much richness in queer folks understanding of identity. and what tends to happen is that language gets stolen and moved into academia and borrowed by people who it doesn't belong to. And I also think that it is the most rich and important language we have for this stuff. And so I'm hopeful that eventually we will all be using this language that was created by queer people with a constant cognizance of where it comes from. But I don't know when that chicken and egg happened. So I just wanna point out that as people are discovering even exactly what kind of cisgender straight lady they are, that all of that work has been done by queer people. The language for it was created by queer people. And I hope that we honor that regardless of where we end up of who gets to use what. Gosh, I love that you said that. You know, there's been so much over my lifetime of watching that happen where this started as something very specific to queer people, like something, it would be something very, I mean, back in the eighties, it was like, you know, the different ear, like wearing your earrings on your left or your right, or, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's when I came out, if you were a, a, a dyke, you wore one earring in your left ear, right? And it was the left because it was left. And then, and, and, and then next thing you know, and if, especially if you were a gay man, like you only wore earrings if you were a gay man. If you're a man and you wore earrings, you were gay, period, mm-hmm. right? And then next thing you know, it's like all the straight guys are wearing, you can't, you know, it's like one of those whole world of, yeah. So uh, fashion, gender, everything around that. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, I always love your insights. I always love um, all the things that we get to talk about um, and uh, love hearing what you're up to. Um, and so we will make sure that we send people to your site and um we need to like go have some pie or do something because i haven't seen you in way too long so i know it's weird yeah it's weird we just live in the same <laughs> town too i mean that's the thing yeah <laughs> um, i'm hoping that one of the things that we get to highlight again as always is all the cool neat stuff that are you know cool little weird alternative queer stuff that comes out of lawrence kansas because we're a quirky little town but we've got all kinds of cool neat stuff happened in this town and you're part of it mm, so. here's here's my own plug i'll give i did start over quarantine making um embroidery um lesbian erotica scenes so um i imagine embroidery I'll have lesbian erotica scenes yeah so i will be um 
I think creating more of those just in time for the the Christmas holiday season. So like I'm thinking an ornament of. Yeah, that's that's exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking of all the people on my list that need one of those those hanging on their tree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right. For sure. (laughs) that's brilliant you're brilliant i appreciate you (laughs) and um thanks again for coming to the gender reveal party (laughs) thanks for having me absolutely hey thanks for listening to the gender reveal party podcast i hope you loved it and if you did would you take a second and go do all the things like subscribe rate review tell all your friends Apparently, if you do that, the podcast platforms are more likely to share it. And if you think these stories are important, please take three minutes to just go do that. I'd really appreciate it. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social. On Instagram and Facebook, I'm at The Gender Reveal Party. And on Twitter, I'm at Prior J. It's a real joy and privilege to bring you this podcast. Come back soon. Love you, bye. Bye.